I was too afraid to speak my truth. My fear was if I speak my truth, then I'm going to lose my father's love. You cannot be truly fulfilled and happy being someone that you're not. You cannot be truly fulfilled and happy living someone else's life. And what started off as the worst year of my life ended up being the best year of my life. Like the only regret I have in my life is not spending more time with my mom. The doctors finally said to her, there's nothing we can do for you. Basically, you're gonna die. In our culture, we have this idea that surrender is weak, that surrender was passive, that if you surrender, you it's giving up. What if you didn't get less, but you got more? And ego is not good or bad. It's our relationship with ego that is the issue, not ego itself. Because the ego's job is to reinforce its existence. I exist and conditioning is not who you are. Ego is not who you are. The degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free. Just look at the lies you're telling yourself and start getting honest, start getting real. There is no transformation without truth. We work jobs that we hate. We say yes when we mean no and betray ourselves and wonder why we feel pain in our hearts. You can't bullshit your way to healing. You've got to start with the truth. Welcome back everyone to Diary of an Empath. Today I have a very special guest joining us. He's a renowned transformational teacher, best-selling author of the book, The Magic of Surrender, and speaker who's been inspiring millions of people around the world to live bold, authentic lives. With his unique blend of spiritual wisdom, real world practicality, and infectious energy, he's been making waves in the personal development and self-empowerment space for years. His mission is simple, to awaken, inspire people across the planet to access their inner freedom, live authentically, and fulfill their true life's purpose. Get ready to be inspired. We have the one and only Coot Blackson. Coot, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So it's really interesting because I feel like the universe kind of aligned. So the day before your team reached out to me, I started following you. Wow. And okay. I was about to reach out to you to have you on my show and everything <laughs> just kind of aligned very organically. So um, I'm really excited to have this conversation. And as I was preparing for this interview, I was listening to a couple podcasts that you did, one in particular, um, Danny Morell's show, which I love. I just had him on my show. And I loved hearing about your background and your upbringing. Sure. What do people need to know about your childhood to understand the man in front of me? Wow. Um, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London, live in the U.S. now since 18. So uh, I've always felt like I'm from everywhere and nowhere. And that has been a really uh, f fundamental you know, foundation of my life. I felt like I'm a soul more than anything. I didn't feel like I fit into any one nationality. And, and that's, that's been a blessing in that it's given me the ability to just connect with people as, as souls more than separate, you know, nationalities. And so as a young boy, I always felt people's pain. And there was a part of me that was very empathetic, actually. I would feel people's pain and I wanted, wanted to alleviate people's suffering in some way. I just didn't know what that would look like. And so my childhood was a bit unusual, although I thought it was like everyone's. Um, in that, like my first memories as a kid, I remember being lost in the crowd uh, in, in Ghana, West Africa, and seeing a crippled woman pick up the sand, the gravel, that this man walked on, wipe it on her face and stand up. I remember seeing... Uh, 
the same man whose gravel she picked up look at a person in a wheelchair and say, hey, why are you in this wheelchair? You're not sick. Stand up. Or look at someone who came in with crutches and say, throw your crutches away. You can walk. And so you know, miracles, you could say. And, and, and these are things I just grew up seeing every single day. And it was kind of, I think the blessing was it was, it was kind of normal for me. I didn't know any different. I, I didn't think it was anything special. And that was a blessing because I grew up with this sense that anything was possible. It uh, wasn't even extraordinary until I got a bit older to realize this may not be everyone's reality. And, and so uh, this man was my father. Uh, my father built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, had a huge church in London, hundreds of thousands of followers, um, was, considered, was a very mystical, spiritual, metaphysical man. He was, he was a, considered the miracle man of Africa. But when I was age eight, my father threw me in the audience and said, speak. And that began my speaking career. And when I was 14, I was ordained as a minister. And I was given the mandate to take over my father's spiritual organization. I was the guy that was going to succeed him and take it to the next level. And everybody was happy but me. Because as a young kid, I just knew that something was not, something was not aligned. Something wasn't right. Um, but I was, too, I think like many of us, I was too afraid to speak my truth. My fear was if I speak my truth, then... I'm going to lose my father's love. I'm going to be outcast. I'm going to be alone. And I think many of us, we hold back who we are. We hold back our voice. We hold back sharing our gifts and purpose with the world out of fear of what people will think. And for four years, I said nothing. And I went along with it. I tried to like fit myself into becoming the person I thought the world wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. But it, I was miserable, you know, deep down inside. And so when I turned 18... There was a very pivotal moment in my life where I realized I had certain choices to make. I felt my soul at that, at that point calling me to come to America. Sometimes what your soul guides you to do doesn't always make sense to your logic or your mind. And what your soul mm -hmm. guides you to do isn't always comfortable or convenient. But I really believe when you follow your soul and you, you're obedient to your soul, your soul has an intelligence and it will guide you in the right direction, with the right people. It may not be the path you thought, but it will be exactly what you need. And so my soul was guiding me to come to the U.S., specifically to, to Los Angeles, to California, because as a kid, I would sneak into my father's office and he had probably a thousand self-help books on his bookshelf and, uh, you know, spiritual books, self-help, everyone from Osho, Krishnamurti, Eastern Mystics to yeah, Louise wow. Hay, Marianne Williamson, Deepak Chopra, you know, uh, Western Mystics, Gurdjieff, Uspensky. Wow. And so I grew up as a kid, eight years old, you know, reading and becoming obsessed with trying to understand, like, the nature of reality and who am I and what's the purpose of life and where do we go and what is life about? Is it just to go to school, get a job, make money, have babies, have a car, go on vacation, mm -hmm. and then die. Like, surely there has to be more to this human experience. And so that became a driving obsession to try to understand life. So at 17 and a half, the pivotal moment when I felt this calling, but I looked into my future and I saw that my entire life was basically scripted for me, mapped out for me. And when I projected into my future, I saw that I could become successful and take over my father's church and become successful. But if I didn't have my soul, if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my truth, then 
what kind, what, what kind of success is that? If I didn't have my own integrity, that if I lied to myself now, I'm going to have to lie to myself for the rest of my life and that you cannot be truly fulfilled and happy being someone that you're not. You cannot be truly fulfilled and happy living someone else's life. And so that's when I knew what I had to do, which was basically surrender. And I decided to leave everything behind. I decided to renounce everything. Um, Grieved the relationship with my father, which was a big deal as a kid. And, and I had that conversation with my father that changed my life, told him I wasn't taking over. We did not speak for about two years, but longer story short, I ended up winning a green card in the green card lottery, literally, that enabled me wow. to come to the U.S. to see That was the cases. universe. That's the universe. <laughs> yeah. That's proof. Like when you follow, like, I mean it, when you follow your soul, you will be guided. You will never go wrong. And, and I've seen it over and over and over and over again in my life. And, and so, yeah, I won the green card 18, came to America, you know, no, no idea where I was going. Uh, and I tell people, you don't have to know where you're going to get to exactly where you need to be. There is an yes. intelligence inside of you that knows what to do if you listen. And so I just kept listening and I went and found many of the teachers, mentors and authors I read about as a kid and studied with some of them, learned from some of them and then went and Ended up traveling the world uh, a few years later, traveled to Israel, studied with some rabbis, traveled and walked the Camino in northern Spain, 900 kilometers, traveled to Thailand, studied with some monks, ended up in India. And it was my time in India that really cracked me open to another, I would say, another dimension of knowing who I am another dimension of truth and reality and my purpose. And that's what enabled me to come back to the U.S., as a young man, and I began working with people one-on-one. I had no idea what I was doing, but I just wanted to help people out of the pure intention of my heart. And so I just began, and one person came, another person came. My work evolved. I created my own methodology of how to work with people, and life changed, and people started to find me from around the world, and my work grew into small groups, into large groups, into larger groups, and, uh, you know, years later, seminars later, two books later, here I am. I feel like the universe definitely had a plan for you. And I think you inertly knew it when I when I listened to your story about your father and the spiritual background that he had. And it almost feels like it kind of set you up, maybe not for the path that he wanted for you, but it still set you up for the path that you're on. I listened to you talk a little bit about your mom And when your mom passed away and you spoke about a moment when you asked her, are you afraid? Tell me about this time in your life and how did that impact you moving forward? Because I feel like that conversation kind of played out a little bit, even to the book that you ended up writing. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, my mother, I think, inspired the book I wrote, uh, which is The Magic of Surrender. It was not the book I planned to write. It was not the book I wanted to write. But in that book, I shared the story, at least the initial story. My mother was diagnosed with stomach cancer in 2016. And it was hard because she was the person I loved the most and the person that loved me the most. And and so much of what I am is because of her. And, And so I began flying from Los Angeles, where I live, to London, where she lived literally every month to just be with her Mm -hmm. and i'd fly for basically for a week out of every month i'd fly 
be with her, take care of her, go to chemo sessions with her. And my intention was to heal her. My intention was to get her better. And I soon realized that she has her own path. And there's not much I can do to force her to do certain things. And so I just had to surrender and let go. And I, it freed me up, honestly, just to love her exactly as she is, exactly as she was in that moment, which was pretty profound. And what started off as the worst year of my life ended up being the best year of my life. And about eight, seven to eight months into that year uh, of just flying back and forth, back and forth, um, the doctors finally said to her, there's nothing we can do for you. Basically, you're going to die and get your affairs in order. And it was, a, it was a tough moment. You know, it was a very tough moment to see that the person you love is going to no longer be here. Oh, and I, I, my, my heart was honestly, like the only regret I have in my life is not spending more time with my mom. Oh, and, yeah. and I realized that she was not going to, there were so many things I wanted to do with her that I had planned to do with her that I did not prioritize and make important because I thought I had time. And now I realized I did not have time. And it was painful. And, and, and so I looked at my mother in the eyes. She's a Japanese woman. And I said, are you afraid? Like, you're going to die. You know? Are you afraid? How do you feel? Are you afraid? And she looks me in the eyes and she says, I'm not afraid because I know I'm not this body. This body is a temporary vehicle for my soul. This body will die, but what I am will not. And I will be with you from the other side guiding you. So I'm not afraid. And I felt the conviction of knowing mm -hmm. who she was. Truly knowing who you are is profound freedom. And then I asked my mother another question because I wanted to be a good son. Because I felt like I wasn't, you know, I was so busy with, with other things. And I looked my mother in the eyes and I said, like, what can I do for you? What do you need? What can I do? What do you want? What do you need? Like, where do you want to go? What can I buy you? And my mother looks me in the eyes and she says, there's nothing I need and there's nothing I want. All I want is what God wants for my life. Wow. Nothing else. And it was like a wow moment because I, I saw that, wow. My mom this entire year was free. She was not attached to living. She was not attached to, to, to dying. She was open to the highest unfolding of her soul's journey. You know, all I want is what God wants. That's it. And she meant it. I mean, we can say these things, but mm -hmm. in the face of death, she was totally and utterly surrendered to the highest good. And I saw that this was the key to her life. She had lived this way her whole life. She married my father, an African man, without ever having seen him or spoken to him and agreed to get married, just trusting her soul. That's a whole nother wow. story. But, and she lived this way. And, and I saw that surrender was the password to freedom. Surrender was the real key for her to have peace. And I think that what it did was it inspired the book of Surrender for me because you know, in our culture, we have this idea that surrender is weak, that surrender is passive. That if you surrender, you it's, it's giving up. It's waving the white flag. That if you surrender, it means you're going to be a doormat. You're going to be taken advantage of. That if you surrender, you won't manifest your goals, your dreams, your desires. That if you surrender, like you, you, 
you're going to be left behind. You're going to get less in life. I'm, I'm actually saying from my experience, from, from my mother, from people I've learned from and studied from in my own life, what I'm seeing is that when you surrender, what if you didn't get less, but you got more? Like more than you could have planned and imagined for yourself with your own limited human mental ego capacity to visualize and imagine your life. What if you got more? That's for me the real magic of surrender. And so I believe that surrender is the most powerful thing that we can do. Surrender is the real secret to manifestation. Surrender is the key to the next level of life. And when I look at the truly great ones, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Mandela, Martin Luther King, uh, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, you know, folks that weren't weak, they all at some point surrendered themselves to life, surrendered themselves to the universe, surrendered themselves to the divine, surrendered themselves to their soul, surrendered themselves to the deepest impulse of what life was seeking to express through them. And in that surrender, these they were able to transcend their human limitations and tap into another dimension of life and life was able to flow through them. Life was able to use them. <clears throat> life was able to manifest through them in ways that they couldn't have, have imagined for themselves. And I think that's, for me, the power of surrender. And just to be clear, you know, surrender is a letting go of control, or I should say the illusion that we are in control in the first mm-hmm. place. Surrender is when we stop trying to force and control and manipulate life to fit our limited idea of what we think it should be. Surrender is when we let go of who we think we should be and how we think life should be from the lens of our ego when you take the limitations off of life and you're open and you're available to life, the highest unfolding of life. And that's what my mother showed me. That is very beautiful. And I just want to first thank you for um, sharing that vulnerability because, first of all, your your mom sounds like a beautiful woman. And to have that amount of self-awareness is very rare. And it's very evident that you have that as well. One thing that I wrote down while you were talking is the ego. I think a lot of us hold on to the ego so much and really don't allow ourselves to be our most authentic self, to surrender to be our most authentic self. And really, I don't feel like people are to blame because we live in a society that is for profit. The more things that you have, you'll be happy. You get the trophy wife, you'll be happy. You get the fancy car, you'll be happy. You get the status, you get the likes, you get the comments, you'll be happy. But in reality, it's that ego that I feel that keeps us trapped. I would love to hear your thoughts on how does somebody let go of the ego? How do we surrender? How do we get connected with our most authentic self? Because a lot of society is keeping us trapped to not do that. Side note, did you guys know that I'm not only a therapist, but I'm also a professional tarot reader? It's not exactly me hovering over a crystal ball telling your future. It's a tool to connect with your guides and your higher self to help you in certain areas of your life. Tarot genuinely changed my life and it can potentially change yours too. Click on the link in this podcast for more info. Okay, back to the podcast. Yeah, first I'll say ego is not the enemy and ego is not really a problem. It's our relationship with the ego that is an issue. And ego is not good or bad. It's our relationship with ego that is the issue, not ego itself. 
and our sense of how identified we are with ego in the human 3D experience called life, everybody has an ego. Every human has an ego. Otherwise, you would call somebody's name and they wouldn't even respond if they didn't have an ego. So the fact that they say True. yes, that's ego. And that's not an issue. It's just the degree to which we're identified with it. And, and so I think when we understand that, it shifts our relationship with ego. And when you understand the nature of something and you shift your relationship with it, 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 it frees you up to relate to it in a whole different way and changes your relationship with life in and of itself. And so ego is not a thing. We often relate to ego like a thing, like here's my phone, you know, here's mm -hmm. my pet chihuahua, and here's my <laughs> ego. It's like, right. no, ego is not a thing. The more you relate to ego as a thing and try to annihilate it, get rid of it, make it a problem, the stronger it gets. Ego is a process. It is a process of identification, identifying as me, name, body, form, religion, experience, status, fame, you know, past experiences, trauma. It's the identification that is the ego, not ego itself. Like a bicycle is a thing. Pedaling is a process. Identification and ego is a process of identification based on who we think we are mistakenly that's reinforced by life. And mm -hmm. so for the ego, yes, letting go and surrender is scary because the degree to and so resistance is natural for the ego because the ego's job is to reinforce its existence. I, I, I am me. I am here. I exist. And the ego's job is to protect you from getting hurt like you were hurt when you were mm -hmm. young. So the ego yes. is often a conditioned pattern response to certain things and experiences that happen when you were young, painful experiences, challenging. And, and ego is often a coping defense mechanism that gets conditioned into us as an adaptive pattern that we hold on to that we go through life you know, imprisoned by, not necessarily a static thing. And so the ego's job is to protect you from getting hurt like you were hurt when you were young. And so when you talk about letting go and when you talk about surrender, it sounds great and we understand, okay, surrender. Ooh. But when we say surrender, resistance kicks in. Mm -hmm. Ego kicks in with good intention because ego, what we mistakenly perceive ourselves to be, is afraid that if I surrender and let go, who the hell will I be? Will I exist? Will I be safe? Maybe I'll feel helpless like I felt when I was five, when mom and dad weren't around. So it kicks yes. in as a protective mechanism. When we understand that we don't have to fight ego and judge ego and, and destroy ego, we can change our relationship with it, understanding the nature and intention of it, and learn to relate to it with love and relate to it with understanding and relate to, relate to it with non-resistance, relate to it with compassion. Because when we can hold ego and just love it there's no resistance sometimes true surrender is not trying to make yourself surrender sometimes true surrender is to acknowledge the resistance and embrace and love yourself through the resistance knowing that the, underneath the resistance is fear so the degree to which we are identified with our sense of self as this mind body mechanism ego is often the degree to which ego will resist because for the ego surrender feels like a death, 
the death mm-hmm. of who we thought we were. So it's like, Bingo. hell no, resistance, yes. resistance, resistance. We do this, we create drama, we sabotage, we, you know, yep. whatever it is to resist because it's scary when we mm-hmm. understand that, oh, I'm not the ego. That already shifts your relationship so that you know that whatever beliefs and thoughts and ideas and paradigms and identities about yourself, whatever you let go of, that's not you. So the real you isn't dying. It's just the illusion Mm -hmm. of what you are that's dying. So when you understand that, it's like, oh, this belief isn't me. Oh, I can let that go. Then I'm still me. I am still what I am without this belief and this idea and this identity. And so when you understand that, then you can hold yourself, observe and hold yourself with love and compassion even in the resistance. And then ego can kind of relax and let go and surrender can begin to happen. And so sometimes surrender is embracing whatever is arising and wherever you're at, even the resistance in the moment, because that's a deeper surrender, you know? And, And so it's just ego that resists. But ego, when you understand the nature of ego, it shifts your entire way of relating. What I will say is, is also, look, when we're born, we're born free as children. We are these infinite beings. As children, surrender is our natural state. A child will jump on the table naked and, and, and just, it doesn't care what it, how do I look like on Instagram? Do I have cellulite? What, it, it, we're just being free. No That's self-consciousness. Right. A child will, will, will jump on the table and sing. Doesn't care if it doesn't sound like Bruno Mars. It's just being whatever mm-hmm. it's being, you know? It's like, ah, until we're taught, hey, shut up. You can't sing. You sound terrible. Now we start developing self-consciousness. So, with these free beings, surrender is natural for what we are. We're open-hearted. We're, we're curious about life. We're not projecting into the future. We hit our head. We cry. We're over it. We're not thinking about that experience four weeks from now. I hit my head four weeks ago. Was We're just purely being in the moment, surrendered. So what happens? I think it's helpful for people to understand what happens. We incarnate into this human experience. We meet our parents. They're just doing, you know, God bless them. They're just doing the best that they know how to do based on their childhood and their upbringing and their parents. So now we're born into a preset pattern of conditioning. And maybe dad is crazy. Maybe mom is an alcoholic. Maybe they're fighting all the time. Maybe there's abuse, pain, trauma, mental, emotional, sexual abuse. Maybe dysfunction or patterns in, 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 in the family system. Maybe they're great people, but they just did not know how to meet our emotional needs. And that was painful. And so two things happen where ego starts getting created. The first thing is we learn unconsciously all sorts of strategies to shut down, disconnect, not feel. Shut down, disconnect, not feel. Shut down, disconnect, not feel. Suppress, 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 suppress. Layers and layers and layers and layers of unfelt, unprocessed feeling covers up our true light. Then we erect walls around our heart as a survival defense mechanism to keep ourselves safe that becomes a a solidified way of being, of controlling our environment and feeling so that we can be safe. Control, control, control. Then we learn a way of being. Who do I need to be in the world to get love from mom and dad? Who do I need to be to fit in? Who do I need to be to to, to get love, validation, and approval? So we Mm -hmm. develop a role. We develop a mask. We develop a persona of who we think we need to be in order to get love, validation, and approval. And we become the, we contort ourselves into becoming this shape, becoming this conditioned pattern, becoming this version of ourselves, of who we think we need to be to be loved and fit into the world and be safe. Now we become this person and we say that the version of ourselves that we've become 
is meat. No, this is just who I am. I'm just this way. I'm just nice. I'm just shy. I'm just over-responsible. I'm just independent. I'm just... But the thing is, we don't realize that who we've learned to become is a conditioned pattern, and the degree to which we identify with that is ego. Mm. But we're not. That's just conditioning. And conditioning is not who you are. Ego is not who you are. The degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free. And the degree to which Mm. we're conditioned is the degree to which we're living our past projected into our future over and over again. And so ego's ego doesn't want to change for good intention. Like ego doesn't want to change. Ego wants everyone else to change. So we're afraid to question our beliefs, question who we are, reinvent mm-hmm. ourselves because like if I change and I let go of this way of being, I might get hurt again. I don't want to get hurt again. Resistance, resistance, resistance. It's self-protection. That's why I say when you can meet your resistance, ego, resistance with love, and hold it. When you can surrender and hold your resistance with compassion and understanding and grace, surrender can begin to happen because now there's no resistance, there's no fight, and then layers can peel away. Then you can start questioning, who am I in a safe space? What do I believe? It's who I am, who I really am, which can be scary because now we're questioning our very sense of self, which we've built up to function and survive. And then we can start questioning, and then we can start looking at, too, courageously, what lies am I telling myself? Mm-hmm. What li- about who I am, about what I feel? What lies am I telling myself? We've been conditioned to lie for the reasons I've just explained. What lies am I telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? To me, there is no transformation without truth. So if people say, well, I want to start surrendering, I want to start breaking through, just look at the lies you're telling yourself and start getting <laughs> honest, start getting real. There is no transformation without truth. You can't meditate your way there. You can't plant medicine your way there. You can't pray your way there. You can't, you know, levitate your way there. You got to tell the truth. That's right. And if we start with the truth, the truth will set you free. And many of the problems and issues that we go to God about, God, please help me, will resolve if we just start telling ourselves the truth. But it's often scary because we're afraid of the consequence of what will happen if I tell the truth. We stay in relationships that we know are not aligned. We work jobs that we hate. We say yes when we mean no and betray ourselves and wonder why we feel pain in our hearts. Pain is a feedback mechanism that we are not in alignment with something. When you feel pain, pain is giving you feedback that you're off in some way. And because we're afraid of the consequence, we often play this game of confusion. I don't, I don't really know what I want. I don't really know what my truth is. I don't really know what my purpose is. We know. There is a part of us that knows everything because at the deepest level, we are everything. The deepest level. And so take, I say take the pressure off of yourself of having to take any action. Take the pressure off. And if you just start with, okay, I, I don't have to take action. Like I don't have to leave my relationship. I don't have to quit my job. But just start with the truth. That's the beginning of surrender. I hate my job. Scary. It's terrifying. You don't have to leave. But I hate my job. I'm done pretending that I love it. I'm done BSing myself. I'm done kind of being using gratitude as a spiritual bypass. I hate my job. Feel that. That starts a process inside. I am not in love with my wife anymore. Scary. What would this mean? You don't have to leave. 
but just allow a process to start inside as you start getting in touch with the truth. And that likely as you start telling the truth, you will feel or get in touch with the pain that's been there. The pain is a gift. The pain is a blessing if you're willing to pay attention to the message of the pain. And that's the key. You know, and then you can use the pain to course correct. You know, but the challenge is we distract ourselves. We drink it away, sex it away, drug it away, shop it away, social media away, meditate it away even so that we don't have to feel the pain that's there. Rather than just saying, I feel pain. What is this pain telling me? And what do I need to feel that I haven't felt? Or what do I need to feel that I'm denying? What do I need to face so that I can shift and release and let this go? I'm taking everything that you say in. It's so... I mean, we, we're just, con- we're conditioned from the time that we are brought into this world that this yes, is what should make you happy. Condition. You shouldn't do this. You should be buying these things, stay on social media to get validation. And a lot of people, and I say this with love, and this was me, I wasn't taking responsibility for my own healing. Yes, I was in toxic relationships. I was in really shitty situations, but I had to look back and I had, it took me a long time to get to the point where I had to look at my part in it and kind of let go of, like you say, surrender. And what is my truth in order to walk in my most authentic path? And that was hard because it forced me to face and process feelings and things about myself that were uncomfortable that were painful, that shifted the paradigm of who I thought I was or who I thought I wanted to be. So for those that are listening to this and that are kind of having the epiphany that I'm hearing when I hear you speak, and they're trying to heal, they're trying to walk in their most authentic path, they're trying to find their purpose. And they're starting to finally say, okay, these are my truths. How does somebody start to shift to walk in their purpose, to walk in alignment? I know that's a really loaded question, but for some, they don't even know where to start. Well, well, in terms of your healing, start with the truth, because there is no transformation without truth. You can't bullshit your way to healing. You can't lie your way to healing. You can't just pray your way to healing. You've got to start with the truth. I'm unhappy. I'm miserable. I'm in a toxic relationship. I don't value my, you just got to start with the truth of where you're at. When you can just come to the reality of where you're at and just acknowledge, I'm an alcohol, I have an alcohol problem. Without that acknowledgement and that truth, you can't do anything to shift it. You can't do anything to get help. So start with the truth and the truth will start you on a path. That, and then I would just say, you know, get in an environment a coach, a guide, a therapist, some guide that can support you in unraveling, becoming conscious, unraveling, healing, releasing some of these underlying feelings and traumas and pains that we've been carrying that we've learned to suppress and deny as a survival defense mechanism. And that is a process. You can't hack your way there. You can't, you know, uh, shortcut your way there. It is a process of being human. It is a process of life and it takes some work. No different than if you want a six pack, you got mm-hmm. to go to the gym. You can't <laughs> right. just like, I'm just going to like watch some TikTok videos and like heal myself. It doesn't have to be suffering, but it does take some commitment and intentionality mm-hmm. and work. And I think if we have that sincere intention, like truth and I'm going to heal, then I'm going to get the support to do the emotional, mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual healing in a process, then you're on the pathway, you know? And in terms of purpose, so to answer your question about purpose, 
for those that might be thinking, I want to find my purpose. I want to find my purpose. I want to find my, what's my purpose? You know, what's my purpose? What? Here's my response. I'm going to answer it from two levels, spiritual level, and then a very practical level. Okay. Okay. Firstly, I would say on a spiritual level, stop seeking your purpose. Your seeking is taking you further and further away from your true purpose. You see the ego wants to seek and 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 did I say seek and seek and never find because seeking is the ego's way of reinforcing its existence. It doesn't want to the ego doesn't want to be enlightened. The ego doesn't want to be free. The ego doesn't want to be awakened. The ego doesn't want to be because to truly wake up to who we truly are means a dissolving a dissolution, the death of the ego as we know it. So it wants to constantly be seeking another thing, another thing, another thing for a purpose, for more money, for more sex, for more car, for whatever it is. It's just a game of the ego. When you recognize that, you, you, you can start relating to it differently. And so, number one, stop seeking your purpose. Firstly, on that spiritual level, recognize that you are a soul. You are a spiritual being as a soul, and you incarnate into this human experience in order to learn, in order to grow, in order to evolve. That life, as we know it, is a university for our soul's evolution. And every experience that we go through, every heartbreak, every difficulty, every challenging experience, everything in this human experience is the curriculum, the teacher for your soul's growth and evolution. And if that's the case, then every moment, every moment is an evolutionary moment. Life is an evolutionary process. And if you're, if you're a soul and life is an evolutionary process, a university, then every moment of life is potentially your purpose. Because in every moment of life is the potential for your evolution and your growth. So then what is the purpose of life? What is the purpose of your life on that bigger level? Regardless of what you do, your purpose is not your job. Your purpose isn't what you do. The real essence and purpose of your life is evolution, growth. The degree to which you are learning, growing, realizing, and becoming the true essence of what you really are. And everything you do and go through is serving that. That job you hated, that relationship that broke up, that situation that internship is ultimately a vehicle for your soul's growth and evolution to learn, to grow, to evolve, to realize more of who you truly are. In that sense, you can never not live your purpose so long as you are looking at life through that lens. So it doesn't matter what you do, first and foremost. It matters that you're learning and growing because you could be doing the great thing that you wanted to do, but if you're betraying yourself, if you're becoming less of who you are, if you're becoming more inauthentic, you ain't living your purpose, even though you're doing the thing. So that's the spiritual level. Evolution is your purpose. So long as you're evolving, you are living the purpose for why you are here. Now, on a human level, some folks might go, okay, but I still want to do something that is meaningful to my soul. I still want to express my soul's authentic nature in the world in some way. I don't want to just sell a car. I don't want to just, I want to do something that is meaningful. Here's what I would say. I would again say, stop seeking your purpose. (laughs) And here's what I would say, number one, take a step in the direction 
of what you love. Move in the direction of what makes you come alive. Move in the direction of what turns you on, what, ignite, what, what, what ignites your soul. Take a step in that direction. When you take a step in that direction, then you grow and evolve along the way. As you grow and evolve along the way, you become more prepared and ready. You develop the mental, emotional, spiritual, psychological soul force to be able to be more ready for the vision and mission that you're given. So you go in the direction of what you love. When you take that step, what you will find is life reveals to you the next step. You take another step, life reveals to you the next step. Life will reveal to you the process of your the expression of your soul's purpose in the process of living life itself. We often try to figure out our entire life's purpose from our current level of consciousness over here, not realizing that the growth we need to go through in order to grow through as we go along this path to this step over here expands our consciousness so that we can yes. see more so that we're not able to figure out our entire purpose from who we are now. We've got to yes. jump, you know, three months ahead, 10 steps ahead with expanded awareness. So life mm -hmm. re will reveal to you the next step in the process of living life. If you keep following that, you don't have to know where you're going and what your purpose is to live exactly what it is. Your purpose then is revealed to you in the process of living life. And this is where your purpose is not arising from the limitation of your ego's mind. Oh, this is my purpose and I'm going to write it on a, on, on, a, on a poster board on the wall, what I made up my purpose should be. Because many times what we think is our purpose is really a projection of our conditioning, a projection mm. of our mind's interpretation, which is limited. What we think our purpose should be based on what dad told us, mom told us, social media told us, but that's not what we're here to do. And so when you truly create this way, you are creating your purpose as an unlimited revelation. And your purpose is showing itself to you, not from your mind, but from your soul. That's when you're in the flow. Then, then, so that's one, go in the direction of what you love, what lights you up. Number two, on a practical level now, because you might say, well, I love Formula One racing, but does that mean I need to be a driver? Probably not, right? I love basketball, but I'm... Three foot one, probably not going to be probably not going to be <laughs> right. a player. But that doesn't right. mean there might not be some things around it, right? And, and, and so, don't project what you think your purpose should be. Is what I'm saying. Number two, look at what tangible skills you have. Now we're getting practical. What tangible skills do you actually have? Oh. Uh, I'm good with money. I'm good with accounting. Oh, you know, I, I'm good with spreadsheets. I'm good at organization. Oh, I'm good at social media marketing. Now you have an understanding, right, of I have some specific skills. And this is why I say when you take a step, that step might mean volunteering for someone. That step might mean being of service to someone that is kind of in a field that you're in. That step might mean taking the job that you don't think is your purpose, but there's a skill set that you need to learn in that job that you're not connecting to your purpose right now, but you need to learn that skill where you are in that job that you don't think is what you're meant to be doing. But if you don't take that job because you're like, well, that's not my purpose, you won't learn the skills that you need when it's time for you to be on the stage of living your purpose. And so you got to look at skills because you need tangible skills in the real world to be able to execute your purpose. What real skills do I have? Number three, 
what unique problems am I capable of solving? Mm, I tell yeah. people to really look at, don't just focus on making money, focus on being of service. When you yes. focus on being of service, truly being of service is when you're able to solve a pain, problem, or challenge. When you solve someone's pain, problem, or challenge, money is a natural byproduct of solving someone's pain, problem, or challenge. And so when you can really focus on how can I be of service, what unique skills do I have to be of service, and what pain, problem, or challenges am I uniquely equipped based on my skills to solve, money will often be a natural byproduct so long as you have the right vehicle. Lastly, around purpose, look at what group of people do I feel an affinity to? What group of people do I feel a, a connection to? Like sometimes you might feel a connection to the elderly. Sometimes you might feel a connection to the whales. You might feel a connection to teenage pregnant mothers, you know? this might show you the group of souls that you are here to serve. And that can point you in the direction of where your purpose might be. Yeah, that was beautiful. I think for me, the more that I started to get aligned with my growth and my authenticity, it's so funny because when that started to happen, I started to get more in the media. My podcast started to grow. And the more that I got involved in that, the things that I needed decreased. I didn't need to have validation from other people. I didn't need to drive the fancy car. I didn't need the things that I once needed before in order to feel validated or to feel good. And it's so interesting that the more I felt like I was on my authentic path, the less that I needed from the outside world or from people. So for you, because we could talk for, God, I could have like five podcasts with you because the things that you say are just so profound. For you, if you had to look back at your life and everything that you've learned, what piece of advice would you give to yourself, your younger self? Well, I think honestly, it's it, not to be funny, but it's all in my book, you know, uh, surrender. Surrender is the key. I really think surrender is the key to life, that surrender is the password to freedom. And the more you surrender, the more magic happens. The, you know, what's interesting, and I don't know if this fits into your question, but what's interesting for me is the deeper I go now on my path, the more I surrender, the less choice I have, the freer I am. Whereas before, the more in ego and control you are, the more choice you think you have, the less free you are. And so I think that has been a, a beautiful realization in life. You know, as you go deeper, you start realizing that, at least for me, life is in control. God is in control. And our job is if we can bring ourselves into alignment with our souls and this deeper intelligence, then we are in flow. And that's when I think life and the magic of life really starts happening. I can't wait to just dive deep into your book and I'm going to link it for everyone to get because I feel like this, the universe kind of guided this conversation because everything I needed to hear a lot of this. So I know that it's going to deeply impact everyone who's listening. Coot, thank you so much for your nuggets of wisdom, for the work that you're continuing to do in this field, for being of service to others, and for just being your authentic self. My gratitude. Thank you for your time and your energy. And I just appreciate you so much.
Thank you. I'd love to give a couple of websites that I can point people to if that's cool. Of course. Yes, please. Yeah. The best way, you know, if people are inspired by the conversation. And again, thank you for the invitation and having me on, um, being so generous with the questions. Uh, but if, if anyone is, is inspired, definitely get the book. It's simple, The Magic of Surrender. Um, my website, coopblackson.com. Uh, twice a year, I do at a very special event to Bali, Indonesia. It's called Boundless Bliss, the Bali Breakthrough Experience. Uh, I've done 10 of these events in the last, sorry, 20 of these events in the last 10 years, and they're truly life-changing. The next one is July the 28th through August the 8th. And so if anyone is in a place where you feel that you have been put on the planet for a purpose that is bigger than yourself, and you're ready to heal and transform, then www.boundlessblissbali.com. Perfect. And I'll link everything for everyone to find. So you'll just, just click on the show notes below and it'll take you right to the website. Coot, once again, thank you so much. 